It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. A diplomatic boycott of the Chinese games. Now, as you know, a boycott has been bandied about for a very, very long time. Not to much effect, but this week it's gained new momentum uh, in the wake of a Chinese tennis star who just disappeared. Um, She'd alleged sexual assault by uh, an official in the Chinese government and then vanished. That was it. Um, But a lot of international attention started to be pointed at this and saying, where is she, where is she, where is she? And she reappeared this weekend at a youth tennis event. But still, a lot of questions remain. And once again, it's fueled discussion of a boycott. So how would that work and would it work? We're going to chat with Eric Morse, who is a retired Canadian diplomat and an active member of the Royal Canadian Military Institute. He was involved in the 1980 Moscow boycott campaign with the Canadian Department of External Affairs. Eric, thank you so much for your time today. appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. Uh, just before we get going, let me say that um, although I hang my hat at the Royal Canadian Military Institute these days, anything I say does not reflect the views of that organization. Fully understand. And with that, we're good to go. Excellent. Gotcha. Okay. Um, when we talk about boycotts and the Chinese Olympic Games that are coming up next spring, it's been talked about for a long time. Total boycott... That ship seems to have sailed. It's too late for that now. But now we're hearing about a diplomatic boycott. What would that look like? What does that mean in terms of diplomatic versus full boycott? Well, first of all, it's not next spring. These games are opening on February the 4th. Okay. Uh, So it's a good deal closer than that. Now, as to what a diplomatic boycott might mean, uh, your guess would be as good as mine, except that What Biden seems to be saying is withdraw all state national representation and let the athletes go. Right. Uh, And, you know, that would sound pretty reasonable on the face of it, although half measures are never really any good in these things. Uh, But um, um, I don't think that's a particularly useful solution. I don't think that it's a particularly safe solution, given the uh, fact that the Chinese are on a very aggressive global uh, rampage uh, these days. And given the fact especially that we just got two guys, the two Michaels, out of detention in China for a thousand and twenty days, which happens to be a hundred and 20 days longer than the Nazi siege of Leningrad. What are we letting ourselves in for? It's a good question. Let me back up a bit. You don't think it would be effective. Why? I I think there's a lot of people out there who think that it would really be embarrassing for the Chinese, and they want to avoid embarrassment at all costs, so it it would would be be effective. Sorry, it would be definitely embarrassing. And And we would be providing a target for retaliation at the same time. Okay. Um, you were involved um, the in the other thing about sorry ahead. no go ahead go ahead the other thing about the United States that Biden may not actually understand because uh, these things are weird and complicated normally an a national Olympic committee like the Canadian Olympic Committee or the British Olympic Committee is 
uh, a power unto itself. It does not depend on the government for anything more than funding. But the United States Olympic Committee was created by act of Congress. Jimmy Carter made that point in 1980, and then just to double down, he threatened to, to take away the passports of any U.S. athlete who went. Uh, you can't do that to a Canadian athlete. We are, you can't revoke a Canadian passport for any more than very specific reasons. So it's an odd one for the U.S., and, and when you talk about 1980, of course, there was the boycott of the 1980 game. So what... what I remember led... every day of it. <laughs> so tell me the conditions that led up to the international community saying, okay, we're going to do it this time, and what's different this time around? Okay, so there's a bit of mental overlay here, but uh, on uh, Boxing Day, sorry, on Christmas Eve 1979, the Soviet Army walked into Afghanistan, uh, about three days later, the NATO chiefs of staff uh, said, well, we, you know, we, we perhaps should consider a boycott. Remember, this was the Cold War. Uh, the Soviet Union was the, Union was the principal adversary, and uh, games like this were played all the time, except nobody had ever tried an Olympic boycott before. Anyway, Joe Clark, who was prime minister at the time, uh, said he didn't think that was a good idea. I don't recall Carter's initial reaction, but by the middle of January, uh, he had begun moving towards it. And he uh, was already cutting commercial ties, because I remember he cut the Aeroflot flights from the U.S. to Moscow in mid-January, and um, the uh, Central Red Army hockey team got stuck in New York, and we had to smuggle them out through Montreal. Really? Yes, they didn't. Have, they didn't. They'd been in Canada. They had a New Year's game at the Forum that, uh, those years. They'd been in Canada, and then they'd gone off to do their U.S. tour, and they didn't have re-entry visas to Canada. Right. So when I, I get a call from the president of the NHL, no less, going help, <laughs> and um, I said, you know, order a bus and stand by. So I called the border point at uh, Farnham, and I said, you know, in about 12 hours, there's going to be a bus showing up with the Central Army hockey team. They will not have valid re-entry visas. Please help them. And whatever phone calls got made from the customs post, I wasn't privy to, but they got, they got out. What a story. That's amazing. <laughs> Okay, so now anyway, that's that's where it was in January. Yeah, and then uh, the Salt not Salt Lake, the Lake Placid Winter Olympics opened in early February, and the Secretary of State of the U.S. Cyrus Vance uh, gave a remarkably offensive speech at the opening of the Olympic session there, and uh, by March twenty, uh, Carter had called for a, formally called for a full boycott. And that's when the threats started coming of revoking passports and all of that, right. and of trying to organize alternate games. And for and at that point, we were having an election, which actually happened during the Lake Placid Games. Trudeau wasn't enth- Trudeau Senior wasn't enthusiastic at first, but we started briefing him, and uh, it uh, we seemed to convince him that uh, this was going to happen, and he'd better be on the bus. 
uh, I remember week after week putting up tallies of who was supporting the boycott this week. The question I have, and it's something that you raise in the piece that you wrote, how serious do you think the threat is that Canadian athletes could be subjected to the kind of kidnapping we saw with the two Michaels? Do you think, given the international attention around Olympic Games, China would be that brazen? I don't know. I'll be totally honest with you. I don't know, but we'd better look that one square in the eye and ask ask ourselves if we want to take the chance. Now, with the conditions... China is not known for restraint. I'm surprised I haven't got a nasty letter from the Chinese embassy already, but I'm hoping (laughs) I'll put it on my wall. Uh, Given the conditions we're in now, do you think that's a threat? Or if we escalate, that becomes more of a threat. Do you think right now our our, our athletes are safe? Well, they're safe safe where they are. Uh, But I don't know. Uh, I basically threw that one out there, given the state of China's, given China's stance towards the rest of the world and how absolutely hair-trigger they are about stuff, we may have already overstepped just by writing that article. Really? So what do you do now? If you're still in an advisory position, Eric, what would you be recommending? (sighs) Okay, you put the question, I'll put the answer. I'd say we shouldn't go. Flat out. Uh, you know what? There's a lot of people who agree with you, especially in my audience. A lot of people uh, saying we shouldn't do I've, this. I, well, I've known, and I write for the Globe and Mail, or at least I wrote in the Globe and Mail, and I'm not used to unanimity, but all of the comments we've gotten so far are agree- in agreement with what I wrote. Yeah. It, uh, there's. I mean, we'll see it's where... Uh, but, I mean, it's too late for nerve. that, though. I mean, we're doing it, right? I don't know. I mean, you can stop something like that on a dime. It's ma- it's like it's making things happen that uh, is difficult. I mean, um, I can tell you a story from the Olympics before Moscow, okay. the '76 Olympics. We were so busy with the China Taiwan spat and whether Ch- Taiwan would be allowed to perf- to uh, participate in the Montreal Games that every foreign ministry in the world failed to notice until it happened that the entire African continent pulled out of those games after getting there because they were mad at New Zealand for uh, participating in a game in South Africa. And all of a sudden, where'd the Africans go? Uh, And we spent two years making sure that the African contingents would show up at at the Edmonton Commonwealth Games in 78. Right. And that was a major league diplomatic offense, offensive. So stuff like that, can, like this, can ha- uh, can go south in five minutes. And Dick Pound knows it, and he said so. So there's a lot of high-level stuff happening. Eric, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. That is Eric Morse, a retired Canadian diplomat, an active member of the Royal Canadian Military Institute, although he's speaking on his own behalf here. Uh, And as you heard, he was involved in the 1980 Moscow boycott campaign with the Canadian Department of External Affairs.